0: The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management.
3: Dean Arnett is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal the wealth management group and affiliated with satira
2: it's time now for making money sense live with larry rosenthal larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now author speaker and talk show host larry rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Yes, indeed. It's time for another edition of the Larry
3: Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And today, if you're watching on LarryRosenthal.tv... You see, Dina are not in your frame this morning. Welcome. Uh, we're so glad to have you here, as we always are.
4: Good morning. Good. It's so nice to be here with you today.
3: It, it is nice to see you again. And I know we've got a lot of things. Just want to jump right in because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today.
4: We do. But I, I have one little personal note before we get started today. A I, personal
3: note. Okay.
4: Very personal note. I had an amazing broadcasting professor when I was in college mm-hmm. in Middle Tennessee, and he's listening this morning. How about that? So, Mr. E in Gallatin, Tennessee.
3: Good morning. <laughs> well, we'll try to keep her on track, and you know, you can grade her at the end of the uh, of the program today, and then send us the grade, and we'll you know let her know how she. Did.
4: No, nope, nope, no, No grades, no <laughs> critique. Just just <laughs> listen for fun, Mr. E.
3: Listen for fun. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, <laughs> eight five five seven six seven three one two three eight five five Rose one two three. If you'd like to talk uh, or ask a question here this morning of Dina Arnett, our uh, person here in studio who's handling all of our discussion today, sir, ma'am, golly. and
4: and one of the big exciting things, you know, during the summer we all kind of take a break. We don't do a lot of of. Uh, programs, educational content, because we're all taking vacations with our families and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But Larry has now got the fall schedule out, and his first live uh, uh, seminar will be on September 15th. He is going to be teaching all about estate planning. He's going to talk about 11 ways to title accounts. He's going to talk about possible tax law changes that Mm can be coming out of Congress. And the cool thing about these programs You can participate from the comfort of your own home. We're going to do these live on the web. You'll be able to ask your questions live. And we're going to have two programs that day. We're going to have one that starts at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and another that starts at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So for our West Coast listeners, that would begin at 8 a.m. in the morning and 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. You can register for this program at rosenthalwealthmanagement.com. There's a little link there that says seminars. Mm -hmm. Very easy.
3: Yep, RosenthalWealthManagement.com or LarryRosenthal.com. Both of those work. If you'd like to register, that's fantastic. You know, it just makes me want to go jump off a building. Oh, wait a minute. There's somebody else going to do that here today as well, right? Isn't he doing that today?
4: Well, he's not jumping off the side of a building. He's He's not. Larry's going to rappel down the side of a rather tall building uh, in the D.C. area today, and he's doing it to raise money uh, for a
3: charity. For Haitian Angels. Yeah, that's fantastic.
4: Good luck, Larry. Don't look down.
3: <laughs> he says that's he's what gonna, I'm. T- he's that's have what a, I'm told, anyway. He says he's going to have a GoPro camera there too. So hopefully, on the YouTube uh, LarryRosenthal TV next week, we'll have some footage for you to watch of that and see going. Oh my on. goodness!
4: Ah!
3: Uh, a little <laughs> scary for me, anyway. <laughs> All right, uh, Dina Well, Larry is fearless. He is. He's rock solid.
4: Okay, now that we've got all of the <laughs> the administrative and fun stuff out of the way, let's let's talk some turkey here. Yes, ma'am. The the markets here in the U.S. all closed the week with gains, which is which is a really great thing. That we we had some issues earlier in the year. We were worried about inflation. We were worried about COVID. We were worried about all these things, and the markets have just plowed right on through that. The Dow was up almost a percent this week, bringing the, the blue chip index up almost 16% for the year. The S&P was up 1.5%. It's up 20% so far for the year. And even though the NASDAQ struggled uh, for for the first half or so of the year relative to the Dow and the S&P, this tech-heavy index is really making up for lost time. The, the NASDAQ was up 2.82% this week. Up 17.39%. So, the Nasdaq has officially surpassed the Dow. Not quite caught up with the S&P yet, but making making up some ground. I, I like to I like seeing these numbers. These are all very very nice numbers. Um, some of that had to do with the fact that we got some news that the spread of this COVID Delta variant may have peaked out in some of the worst hit parts of the U.S. The markets also responded to word that China's central bank may further ease their credit conditions. They may enact some more of their own quantitative easing. So with that news, both the Dow and the s SN- and sorry, both the S&P and the NASDAQ hit new record highs this week. For those who are keeping track, this is more than 42 all-time record highs just this year.
5: Wow. wow. Yeah.
4: Yeah, ruminate on that for a moment. I, I talk to clients and they're like, "Well, the markets are so high. The markets are higher than they've ever been. We're 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 doomed. We're going to go over the cliff." Well, m- maybe, but every, you know, we're we're effectively 8 months through the year and have hit 41 all-time highs. That's five all-time highs a month every month so it's far crazy, this year. But
3: I think the people are actually looking for that correction at some point, aren't they? I mean that's
4: I would if if uh, you know, if I'm looking at this, I I don't think that that gloom and doom is imminent i don't think that we're we're due to just go hurtling over a cliff with this but a correction of 10 percent or so would not be unheard of we normally get a couple of corrections a year lately the corrections have been really really quick so i would say if you expect a correction just buckle in don't try to time in and out of this thing because Mm -hmm. you will get hurt
3: yeah dollar cost averaging and things of that nature kind of help you with this one right
4: Exactly. If you're contributing to your employer retirement plan, you've got money going into the market every single time you get paid. That allows you to take advantage of the the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride of the market. If your contribution goes in on a day when the market's hit an all-time high, guess what? You're buying fewer shares of your funds that day. But if you happen to buy in on a day when we're in correction territory, you're buying more shares of the fund that day. That system works. Don't try to overthink it. And please, please, please do not try to time the market. It is impossible to do. If if timing the market were an easy thing to do, somebody would have created an algorithm to do it right now and we'd be doing the show from a beach in Bora Bora.
3: <laughs> yes we would. Okay. Just just say that you have a bunch of money, a ton of money that you're ready to put into the market. Um you wouldn't back up the truck is what you're saying. You just kinda ease into it a little bit?
4: I would dollar cost average in right now because we don't know when the last all time high is. And if you're someone who is is a bit nervous about getting into the market or adding money into the market, or let's suppose you're you're taking a real risk and putting short term money into the market, which by the way I don't advise. Wow. But if if you're one of those, I think it's a, a risk mitigation to put some money in over time instead of in one big lump sum. Mm-hmm.
3: Great. 855 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Dina Ology, who's in the house here today talking about financial planning and putting your house in order with regards to your retirement plans and things of that nature.
4: So th- we had quite a bit of economic news this week. And one of the big things was this financial symposium that's held in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. The Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City does this every year. And this year it was a virtual symposium. Go figure. But yeah, that's kind of
3: stinks because Jackson Hole, Wyoming is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. I mean, it's too bad.
4: I've never been, but I've seen pictures. I'd love to go one yeah. day. Um, the the Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell, gave a speech to this virtual symposium, and he confirmed, and I want you to listen to my words very carefully on this, he confirmed that the central bank could begin tapering the pace of its bond purchases oh before the end of the year. Oh That's uh, The word could is is an operative word here. He's not saying they definitely will, but they're looking at it. The Fed has seen healing in the U.S. labor market in recent months, but he is cautioning that the Delta variant does pose some near-term risks. We're not out of the woods with that yet. The Fed chair uh, reiterated he's confident that the inflation surge we're feeling right now here in the U.S. is temporary, and that historic efforts to offset that temporary inflation could do more harm than good. So. This is what we've been saying here at Rosenthal Wealth Management for quite some time now. We believe this inflationary spike that we're in right now, we believe it is transit, transient. We don't think this is the the beginning of 1970s, 1980s-style inflation. We don't have all of the economic markers that would lead us to think that that's going to be a big, bad, and protracted thing.
3: Have you noticed, know- though, that when, when the Fed chairman just winks it affects the markets i mean he doesn't even have to breathe in the direction of some people you know they they take that as a sign
4: his words are very very powerful and i'll tell you what get used to his words because uh word is that president biden is going to confirm jerome powell for a second term as head of the fed Mm -hmm. so um i i think that's good given the um Given the circumstances in our economy right now, I think it would be a bad thing to rock the boat. So I'm comforted to know that there's not going to be a change in leadership at the Fed. At least that's the
3: word. It's well, awesome, it's awesome.
4: Yes, yes, yes. Um, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention the um, uh, the devastation in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. I um, the, our this, hearts go
3: out there. For sure.
4: This uh, this week has been heartbreaking, terrifying, angering, maddening and all of those things and I think I think I would I think I would be foolish to think that that won't have some bearing on the market if this continues on if this becomes a big long drawn out thing it absolutely could impact the market mm-hmm. so if I'm looking at things that that could be the catalyst for a correction, as we were talking about a moment ago. If inflation turns out to be more than transient, if the Delta variant just won't go away, if Afghanistan ends up being more drawn out in, in a different type of conflict than we've had up to this point, I think those could give downward pressure on the market. One thing I did notice this week, though, we've had a whole lot of news um, Afghanistan being being one of the big headlines and the volatility of the market versus the the week before is actually down a good bit. So keep watching, but again, don't try to time it. Just watch and understand. If the roller coaster ride starts going down a hill, that's not when you jump off.
3: Yeah, eight five five seven six seven three one two three eight five five Rose one two three. Let's say we take a quick break here. We'll be back with more of dina arnett here at the larry rosenthal show and we're live on larry rosenthal.tv on youtube and also on wava and family talk xm 131 so we appreciate each of you joining us here today we'll be back in a moment
6: Today, in just a few hours, Larry Rosenthal will join a group of weekend daredevils in rappelling 14 stories down the side of Northern Virginia's Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center. Larry is participating today in a fundraiser event for orphaned and abandoned children in Haiti. For more information about this event and to participate, go to the Over the Edge page on HelpingHaitianAngels.org. All money raised by Larry goes directly to the charity Helping Haitian Angels. Help Larry raise money today for orphan and abandoned children in Haiti. Go to helpinghaitianangels.org. That's helpinghaitianangels.org.
1: And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment. Because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years.
6: sound financial advice you can depend on you found the larry rosenthal show call now with your questions 855-767-3123 or stop by larry rosenthal.com
3: this is the larry rosenthal show welcome back to the larry rosenthal show with dina arnett in the studio here today taking your phone calls 855-767-3123 is the number to call 855-rose-123 and if you're watching on YouTube, you can also put your question into the chat box, Dina. How about that? That's so What? In the yeah. chat box? Are we were getting crazy here. Getting, My goodness,
4: technology is amazing.
3: <laughs> it is. It is. It's so good, good to see you today. I'm so glad you've uh, joined us and have been able to help uh, Larry out and be on the radio with us today. I see that certified financial planner thing in the background there. So we know yep. you know what you're talking about. You always have been great here. So.
4: You know, I, I'd much rather be sitting here, safe and sound, with my two feet on the ground, as opposed to rappelling <laughs> down the side of a 14-story building.
3: Yeah, just, I just, I, I, I really applaud him and bow my hat to him. But boy, yes. I don't think I would do that. No, thank you very much. But I appreciate what he's doing, so that's awesome. Absolutely,
4: absolutely happy to fill in here. You know, before the break, we were talking about inflation, and I know that's a big concern with a lot of our clients and probably with a lot of our listeners. One of the Fed's preferred inflation measures actually eased up a bit in July. Uh, according to a U.S. Commerce Department report, the U.S. Core Personal Consumption Expenditures price index say that three times real fast <laughs> it rose 0.3% in july and that was actually down from the 0.5 the half percent pace in june that inflation gauge is up 3.6% year over year and that is the highest reading in about 30 years but at it's it's roughly the same annual pace as in june and incomes are rising uh Incomes were up 1.1% last month versus an expectation of two-tenths of a percent. Hmm. So, um, yes, the inflation gauge, the personal consumption expenditures index was up, and it's up more than in 30 years. But, again... If you, if you look at what's called the base effect, I think that's what we're talking about here because incomes were not up this time last year. Inflation certainly was not up this time last year. And this is a, what we call a year-over-year year number. If we're comparing versus this time last year when inflation and spending and incomes were way down, of course the number's up year-over-year that's what we call base effect, and I don't think it's troublesome. Not at this stage.
3: Hmm. Well, that is, good news for sure.
4: Well, it is. It is um, the the one of the things that's really pushing this inflation conversation hmm. is what we're calling supply chain disruptions. And unfortunately, we've still got outbreaks of the Delta variant in Asian countries with low vaccination levels like Vietnam, Indonesia, Thailand. And that's really threatening to throw a wrench, even more so, into the global supply chains. For example, did you know more than 30% of the shoes sold here in the United States are produced in Vietnam?
3: I did not know that.
4: Now you know that. I'm going
3: to go look at my shoe, see where it's made. Okay, get back to us on that. Okay,
4: but if I use the shoe example, if people in Vietnam, if the Delta variant is is just plowing through that country, and people are sick and they can't work and they can't make the shoes that get shipped to the United States, that creates a supply chain disruption and theoretically, should make shoes more expensive.
3: You know, I've heard that uh, here in the United States that also it's very, very difficult to get employees for some of these companies. They're having problems with hiring. So that's also disrupting things.
4: I I have seen more hiring signs in more places this past handful of weeks than I've seen in a very, very long time. And I'm seeing them at a lot of restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw one at the convenience store where I stopped this morning. Um, people are hiring, uh, but I also think that people who are looking for jobs, I think they're demanding a higher wage. True. I th- I think that they are saying, you know what, I'm not going to accept what I would have accepted pre-pandemic, well, and, they, and they keep looking.
3: Some of that unemployment uh, stimulus is also going to end here soon. And, and it we'll does. It a- ends next month. Yeah, and so we'll see a lot of those uh, folks going back to work because they really don 't uh, have much of a choice really they need to get the you know food on the table for the family
4: that 's right so, that 's right i yeah. it, it will be interesting to see i think from an economic perspective, both on wages, both on hiring, uh, the unemployment numbers, I think from from now until the end of the year, I think we're going to see a change in that data, and that's going to be material for us. Mm-hmm. That's going to be material in terms of inflation, in terms of GDP, in terms of tax revenue to the country and to your states. It's it's We're in a, a I guess I would call this a if we're not already at an inflection point we're coming up to one. Gotcha. So so we'll keep watching the data, we'll keep monitoring what that means on on a big picture scale when the Fed comes in and makes their announcement eventually that they're going to taper these bond purchases, we'll watch what happens with that. Mm. The the Fed tapering bond purchases is actually a very interesting conversation. We haven't had a lot of experience with that, but we did have a a very definite experience with this in the in the post 08 recession time frame. So if you'll remember back in the 08 recession, boy the Fed and and Congress they were throwing everything at this recession just to see what would stick, to see what yeah. would keep it from turning into a depression. And one of the things the Fed did is they started buying U.S. treasuries. They started buying all sorts of them in very, very big denominations, Mm -hmm. big amounts of them, billions of dollars a month. (sighs) And they did that to flood money into the economic system and help prop things up. And once it became clear that the U.S. economy was on more solid footing – the Fed decided to do what's called tapering. So, if they're buying bonds at a certain level right now, so let's call it 100 billion of bonds per month, tapering means maybe at a certain point they start buying only 80 billion. They're not going to just completely yank the money out of the system all at one time. They're going to orchestrate, hopefully, a soft landing. Back in, forgive me, I think it was 2013. The the year really doesn't matter. But um, Bernanke was still the head of the Fed. And up to that point, there hadn't been any talk of tapering. And one day in May 2013, Bernanke's giving testimony to Congress. And for the first time, he says, yes, the Fed is considering tapering.
3: Boom. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course.
4: Uh, We we saw Treasury yields shoot up, which meant people were selling their bonds. They wanted out. And the market went down about five and a half percent.
3: As I said, the Fed blinks and looks what happens. That That's
4: it. right. Yeah. That's right. It has been called the taper tantrum. <laughs> it, it was, I think tantrum is, is a bit of, of an extreme uh, description of that. Um, it was more like a taper hissy fit. But the market was down five and a half percent. Yeah. Recovered very, very quickly. Okay, it wasn't something that pulled the markets down for a long, long time. But it was a shocking commentary from then Fed Chairman Bernanke, and it did cause some unrest. Yeah, we've got the the Powell Fed. They have been telegraphing this move for several meetings now. They don't want to shock the markets. They don't want
3: a tantrum thing going on.
4: They don't. They don't. And mm-hmm. and while we don't have a ton of experience with this kind of thing, we do have some very recent and very relevant experience. And he knows the power of his
3: words. Yeah. Let's let's hold that tapering thought just a minute and head over to the beautiful Fairfax Station, Virginia. It's a really a pretty area of Fairfax ah. County. And here is uh, Frank. Frank, what's your question here for Dana today?
7: Well, uh, I've got two questions for you. I don't think they're related, but uh, here's the question: uh, I'm 80 years old. I'm in really good shape retirement wise i'm in good health and uh when my kids were growing up we had term life insurance but uh that that's uh we don't have that anymore because it's it's uh really not possible at 80 so my question is what are the insurance options good insurance options for someone like myself an elderly person without breaking the bank right now i have a i have a universal, whole life, whatever you want to call it, for 50000 at at $100 a month. And I can handle that very easily. But as you know, as you go older, that premium can actually fluctuate pretty wildly. So that's the first question. The second question is, what is an aggressive allocation uh, strategy for someone in their 80s? What would be the most aggressive that you would recommend or not recommend? Thank you.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you for the call. Those are two great questions. Let me address the life insurance question first. Um, I, I, you're exactly right. At 80 years old, it's going to be very difficult to find uh, an insurer that is going to give you a policy. No matter how healthy you are at eight, 80 years old, they're, they're looking at the average mortality tables and they're saying, you know, it's a higher risk to offer you insurance at this age than it would have been even five years ago. So I think it's going to be very difficult. What I can tell you is that here at our firm, we have an agency that we use to shop those different rates. And I would suggest engaging us or someone else to get out there and shop rates for you and see what's available. I think your, I think your, um, I think your options are going to be limited and what we do come to the table with, I think is going to be expensive. Um, a hundred dollars a month for a $50,000 policy doesn't sound exorbitant to me. Um, I, I'm not sure that we could replicate that, but I could sure try.
7: Okay. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate that. And well, the other factor is I don't. We don't really need that money, but uh, so the question is: there a cost there? Or should I just drop it off? But like you said, a hundred dollars a month uh, for fifty thousand at my age is uh, is really a, actually a bargain, I think.
4: I I, I think you're probably right. Yes.
7: So what about an asset allocation as you grow older? Uh, I've always tended to be on the aggressive side. So at eighty, you're not going to find me. Uh, you know, at, uh, I'm not even 50, 50. So, uh, and someone might say that's an aggressive strategy for someone, uh, this old, but, uh, I've always been and have done well over the 25 years that I've been retired. So, uh, what do you think?
4: Let me ask you a couple of questions before I answer you. Question number one, are you living on any of the investment money? Okay, so you do you're taking an income stream from the portfolio that you have. Yes. Is it a significant proportion? Uh, well, more I'll, than I'll tell you what it
7: is. I'll tell you what it is. I get uh, about seventy thousand in, dollars, including my wife, seventy thousand dollars in pension and social security, and okay. I draw about thirty thousand dollars from a one million dollar portfolio.
4: Okay, so your withdrawal percentage is right in line. I was going to ask if you're withdrawing more than 4 or 5% a year, and you're not. You're not. No. So I would say somewhere in the... Actually, before I answer, let me ask one more question. <laughs> Do you have more money than you're going to need? Yes. Okay. I think you could actually either deliberately and and literally split the portfolio into two different strategies or combine into one. I think you need to have part of the portfolio that is segregated for purposes of providing that income for you every year, and that does need to be conservative. If that's money that you're living on and you need that to keep the lights on and food on the table, that money's got to be a little safer for you. But the proportion that will end up being inheritance for somebody – or uh, bequest to a charity or a church, that piece can be more aggressive. That piece could be a 60-40, a 70-30, uh, again, mm-hmm. depending depending on your sleep factor. But I think you have to look at it in two different chunks. You have to look at the chunk that's for you today and for the rest of your life, and then you have to look at the proportion that is going to go somewhere else when God calls you home.
7: How does, how does it factor in that, you know, my RMD is getting much, much higher uh so they are forcing me to take out more money than i re- actually need so and that you know they want you to have all that money gone by the time you get 96 or something like that so how do you factor that in
4: well that's an interesting interesting quandary uh one of the things that i wanted to talk about today on the show is roth conversion and Roth conversion essentially allows you to stop the tax clock. We've got historically low tax rates right now. And one possibility for you, and and we'd have to flesh this out one-on-one and and look at numbers and tax rates and everything else, but one possibility would be starting to convert pieces that you know you're not going to use. Pay the taxes on them now and then set it aside. That won't be part of your RMD calculation ever again.
7: All right, that's excellent. I'm actually started to do that.
4: Good. I think that's a good strategy. It's it's tough because to make a material dent in the RMD on a portfolio that size, you've got to make big conversions, and and hopefully you're paying the tax on the conversions out of pocket and not out of the converted amount. So. You, you get into this whole thing of not wanting to mess up your Medicare premiums, not wanting to jump a tax bracket, not wanting to convert so much that it's painful to pay the tax. But I do think that's a viable strategy for you at this point.
7: Okay. I appreciate your, uh, your expertise, and I always enjoy listening to you and Larry and the show for many, many years.
4: Oh, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. If you'd like to talk about this offline one-on-one, I'm happy to do that.
7: All right. Thank you so
3: much. Bye bye. Bye. All right. We appreciate that phone call from from uh, Frank in Fairfax station. Eight, five, five, seven, six, seven, three, one, two, three is the number to call eight, five, five, Rose one, two, three. If you'd like to talk to Dina, who's in studio with us today, Dina.
4: Frank Just gave me a great segue to the topic for, for the second half of the show. I've been getting so many questions from clients about taxes. Uh, they see that Congress is is contemplating up to five trillion dollars of new spending, and how are we going to pay for that um, there's been talk of ch- reverting the tax code back to the pre trump tax cuts there 's talk of raising the corporate tax rate from twenty one to twenty eight there 's all these different pieces, and people are worried and I think as i as I just said to Frank, I think Roth conversion is a very, very good way to To get some control over the future taxation of your retirement dollars. So in talking about Roth conversion, I want to be very, very clear. I'm not talking about contributing to a roth. For those of you whose income precludes you from making direct contributions to a Roth IRA, You can make Roth conversions as much as you are willing to pay the taxes. There's no income limit on Roth conversions. When I talk about Roth conversion, I'm simply talking about taking pre-tax dollars, paying the taxes on those, and reclassifying those dollars as a Roth IRA. If you've listened to us for any length of time, you know that the big bonus of a Roth IRA is that it provides tax-free money in retirement it is uh, taking pre-tax dollars today paying the taxes today And then letting that money sit for later, that is a great way to make sure you've got some control if taxes go up. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned in the last call, you've got to be careful if you're of retirement age, and especially if you're of Medicare age, we've got to do a lot of math. We've got to do the math to make sure I don't convert so much that it bumps you into the next tax bracket. I've got to do the math and make sure that I don't cost cost you an increase in your Medicare Part B premiums. There's a lot of moving parts on a Roth conversion, but if done correctly, it can really help you by reducing the amount of required minimum distributions you have to take when you turn 72. And it also provides, again, that bucket of tax-free money that you can use in retirement.
3: Well, the real key here, isn't it, uh, Dina, is to knowing how to pay those taxes and what, what way to approach that.
4: Yes, absolutely. And and it's a – it, clients tell me, I really don't want to pay this tax, Dina. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big number. If you're in the 22% federal income tax bracket and you convert $10,000, that's another $2,200 on your tax bill. It's not small. But if – if you truly believe the writing is on the wall and tax rates are going to go up, someone who's in the twenty-two or twenty-four percent bracket today could very well, at the same income level, find themselves in the twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. So that's, that that four percent or six percent shift in income tax rate could be material. And if you're willing to pay the tax now, you could set yourselves up for a a much more comfortable and less taxing, if you will, retirement. <laughs> Ha-ha. See what I did there?
3: <laughs> I didn't see what you did there. <laughs> hey, let's let's uh, go on over to Maryland and talk to, I'm hoping we pronounce this right, uh, Kenosha. Kenosha is on the line with us and has a question for you. Go ahead.
5: Hi, I'm Dina. My name is Kenoshia and I'm a 36-year-old African-American woman. Um, I have been blessed to uh, get in, into the trade, so I'm in um, carpenter trade. And I've been listening to you guys, and so I'm in a place mentally, um, financially to start investing in my life. I come from I come from poverty, so I'm the first woman in my family to be able to reach past $10,000 in my bank account, right? And so I, um, I'm just thinking about how can I start to invest in my future? Where should I start? I have an 18-year-old, well, soon-to-be 18-year-old daughter. And I'm a single parent, and I just, I just need to know where, how, to invest, and um, I have nobody to guide me in this. I'm just putting money out of my paychecks into a bank account and wanting to set myself up for my future.
4: I love this story, and I'm going to give you some commentary on the air right now while I've got you, but I want to speak to you privately as well. Okay, so first thing, Kenosha, does your employer provide any sort of retirement plan?
5: Yeah, so the union, I'm pumping money into the union through my um, dues every month, so every Uh, week when I get paid.
4: So are these just union dues, or does this provide some sort of pension for you down the road?
5: Yeah, so we'll, um, once I get past my five years, because I'm also an apprentice, so I'm going to school at the same time while I'm working, um, it's pumping money into a pension for me. So, like, they said after the five years, um, I will be able to have 100000
4: Wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you're already putting money away for your future. It doesn't feel like it because someone else is managing it. But that's that's a very, very good thing. Is there any sort of 401k plan that you can contribute to in addition to that?
5: Um, absolutely. I just don't know how, where to start. I went to a credit union to talk to a banker, mm-hmm. and I didn't... I didn't he he really wasn't able to give me the information that I needed that I was looking for, so I've okay. kind of just been just saving every month, plus I'm putting aside some money to invest and buy me a home. so I'm kind of just like going off of a wind, doing everything on my own and praying about it.
4: There you go. Okay. You're you're not doing the wrong things, okay? I do think we can tweak some of what you're doing. But the big thing is that you're saving money. So often I, I talk to people in similar circumstances and the ability to save simply isn't there. So I know you're doing something right. What I'd like to do, Kenosha, I would like to see information on the 401K plan that is offered through your employer. I bet you there's something that you can invest in in that 401k plan that looks like an S&P 500 index, and I would say start there. But let's um, let's get your information and let you and I speak offline, and I, I'm going to ask you to send me some details on things, and we'll map out a game plan for you.
3: Sure. Keno- Absolutely. Kenosha, I'm just going to a quick question for you. In Minnesota, right, that's where you're from? Yep. What is the name I'm of what is the name of that city there?
5: So, so what I do with my work is they have me traveling around actually the United States. So oh, I right see. now I'm working in Bemidji.
3: Bemidji. I thought that was an interesting name for a city in, in Minnesota.
5: <laughs>
4: I have never heard that name before.
3: <laughs> Kenosha hang
5: there on by I until I got here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hang on just a second, Kenosha and uh we will uh, get somebody to help you out. If you'd like to dial in, the telephone number here is 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Let's uh, let's go on over to to Maryland now and speak with Dell. Dell, what's your question here for Dina this morning? Hey, good morning, Dina. I have have about 1,200 shares of Exxon stock, and with the United States moving to electric, I'm wondering is it time to really start getting rid of the Exxon stock?
4: Before I get rid of the ExxonMobil stock, I would want to know what strides they are making to change their business model. Because if if I'm ExxonMobil, and I'm not, but if I'm ExxonMobil leadership, I'm looking at this, and I see and have seen for years now the writing on the wall about this, I would bet you that their leadership is looking at ways they can participate in the new clean energy type of of arena i before i sell those shares i would look into that because let me tell you something about exxon mobile stock exxon Mobil is one company that for more than 30 years they have not only never missed a dividend payment but they have also increased their dividend payment every single year it's a rock solid company fin- financially speaking and they want to stay that way. They don't want to go out of business because of electric cars, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to find a way to participate in that marketplace. So if I were you, I would do some research into that and I would find out what they're doing. What changes are they making? How are they diversifying their business units to make up for the very real possibility of oil dependence going
3: down? Mm-hmm.
4: I wouldn't just run I ju- I wouldn't just run out and sell the shares.
3: Okay, that makes sense.
4: Excellent. Thank you for the call.
3: 855 767 3123. 855 Rose 123. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal show with Dina Arnett here in just a minute. Stay tuned.
6: Today is the day. In just a few hours, Larry Rosenthal will join a group of weekend daredevils in repelling 14 stories down the side of Northern Virginia's Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center. Larry is participating today in a fundraiser event for orphaned and abandoned children in Haiti. For more information about this event and to participate, go to the Over the Edge page on helpinghaitianangels.org. All money raised by Larry goes directly to the charity Helping Haitian Angels. Help Larry raise money today for orphan and abandoned children in Haiti. Go to HelpingHaitianAngels.org. That's HelpingHaitianAngels.org.
1: And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However... Can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives.
6: Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal
3: Show. 855-767-3123, that's 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Dina Arnett, who's in the studio with us today for Larry Rosenthal, who's taking a weekend off, so to speak.
4: A, a weekend off the side of a building. <laughs> yeah. Um, I
3: hope it doesn't take that long for him to get down. (laughs) It might might be a little bit of a problem, you know. Everybody else is trying to get down, and Larry's like, "Uh, nope. I
4: just just want video. That's all. I just want video.
3: It's going to be great. But speaking of that, yeah, he's doing the over the edge. That's kind of cool. But the other thing we wanted to make sure we mentioned was his seminars. He's got some really cool webinars coming up.
4: He does, and and webinars exactly right. You know, pre COVID, we would do these these events locally. We would have people come in, we'd feed them some dinner, and and do the the um, uh, uh, the the presentation on the screen. And we have had to learn how to to be a little more nimble with this and do things virtually. So this is going to be a webinar. No matter where you are in the country, you can sign up for this. Larry's going to do an estate planning webinar on September 15th he he's doing two presentations one at 11am one at 7pm all times are are listed in eastern us time so for example if you're in the west coast the morning program would begin at 8am and the evening program would begin at 4pm He's going to be talking about estate planning, uh, 11 ways to title accounts, how to handle the potential upcoming tax law changes. This is going to be a great program. We did a similar program back in the spring. People absolutely loved it. And it does fill up rather quickly. So if you're interested in this topic, go to LarryRosenthal.com, RosenthalWealthManagement.com. You can click the the link that says Seminars, and you can register right there.
3: You know, we did... We did everything we could with the webinars, but we haven't figured out how to feed people, that many people, through virtually. So, you know. Dominoes. Bring, you know, pop some popcorn or something before you <laughs> come to the webinar. But, the, yeah, they're wonderful. They're they're very educational. And we hope that you'll be able to join us for those.
4: Well, and, and the um, the chat. Uh, functionality that you were talking about earlier in the show we actually have that enabled during the seminar so if you have a question for larry during the course of the seminar you mm-hmm. just go in the little chat box and type in your question yep,
3: yep. the q and a please so Yep, that's, that's, that's
4: right. right so yep. it's still it's still just as interactive as it was and instead of having it locally we're having it coast to coast sea to shining sea
3: it's awesome it is awesome yeah hopefully you can sign up for that again larryrosenthal.com or making Actually, no, it's Rosenthal.com or RosenthalWealthManagement.com.
4: Get it right, Chris. I know. <laughs> <laughs> before the break, we were talking about Roth conversion, and I want to make sure before the end of the show I make a number of points on Roth conversion. First of all, there is no income limitation to making a Roth conversion. This is where we take pre-tax dollars in a 401K or an IRA We pay the taxes on those dollars, and then we turn them into Roth. Never to be taxed again. That's the big upside. And what I tell clients, they'll say to me, Dean, I really just don't want to pay that tax. And I'll say, I'll I'll tell you the same that I tell them. You're going to pay the tax. You're either going to pay it now or you're going to pay it later. Do you want to pay the tax now while you can control it? Mm -hmm. And when I put it that way, a lot of clients will say, you know what? Yeah, I do. I want to
3: control that. I want to be in my hands and not the IRS's hands.
4: That's right. So who's a good candidate for this? First of all, anyone who wants to stop the tax clock. We have historically low income tax rates on the federal side right now. If you want to take advantage of that, if you want to, as my sweet little southern mama used to say, if you want to make hay while the sun's shining, this is for you. If you can pay the taxes on the conversion out of pocket, I don't want you converting dollars and then having the taxes withheld from the conversion. That's taking a very large step backward. I don't want you doing that. And the other piece, and this is very, very important, you've got to be able to leave the converted amount alone, untouched, for five years an interesting quirk of this is that the five-year clock starts on January 1 of the year that you make the conversion. So if you make a conversion in December, you're really on a four-year and one-month clock, right? So, so you, can, you can finagle it a little bit, but if you think this is money that you're going to need in less than five years, don't convert it. The benefits, you pay today's tax rate on the pre-tax dollars. You pay no taxes on the growth after that. Again, as long as you play by the rules. And the rules are five years. You don't touch the principal that you converted. You don't touch the earnings that you converted. If you do, you blow the whole thing up. You end up owing taxes. And if you're younger than 59 and a half you you'll also owe that pesky 10% federal penalty.
3: Wow, that could be a big hit.
4: It could be. Depending it on could how be. much money
3: you're, you're doing. Yeah.
4: Roth conversion planning is a thing. You don't just willy-nilly run out there and say, oh, I'm going to convert $100,000. Mm-hmm. Do the math. And if you don't know how to do the math,
3: call us. We do. And be patient for five years.
4: Yes. And that five-year clock, you need to understand, it's a five-year clock on everything. Every individual conversion. Mm -hmm. So if you do a conversion in 2021, that money is free and unencumbered starting in 2026. If you do a conversion in 2022, Mm -hmm. that portion of the money is free and unencumbered starting in 2027.
3: So many moving parts in financial planning.
4: So many moving parts. So many moving parts. But what you've done is you've stopped the tax clock. And if you're younger than RMD age, that's the age at which the IRS mandates you have to start taking distributions from your pre-tax retirement dollars. If you're younger than RMD age, you are effectively reducing the amount of money that will be subject to that required minimum distribution calculation. Like the caller earlier, if you've got a million dollars sitting in a pre tax account, the distribution on that in the first year is going to be something close to 40 grand. Wow. Yeah. So we stop the tax clock, we reduce the amount of money that will be subject to required minimum distributions, and we create this bucket of tax free money.
3: So if you take that RMD and you don't need the money, um, can you just reinvest that money? What do you What do you do? With you it?
4: can reinvest it, but you can't convert it to Roth.
3: Oh, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah.
4: Okay. Now here's an interesting here's an interesting piece. If you've If you've taken this money and you've converted it to Roth IRA, you've paid the taxes, never to pay them again, and you go to heaven. Somebody's going to inherit that account. Mm-hmm. If your spouse inherits the account, he or she can assume the account as if it was always theirs. If a non-spouse inherits the account, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter, if they inherit that account, they still get the tax-free benefit that you were getting, but they have to exhaust the account. They have to fully liquidate by the end of 10 years. Hmm. Now, there's no, there's no tax on the liquidation. You can take out one-tenth a year for the next 10 years and be done with it and have an extra income stream or take that one-tenth and reinvest it elsewhere. But just beware that the, the non-spouse beneficiary no longer gets the ability to stretch out those distributions as they once did. And the other quirk of this, that pesky five-year rule, it transfers to the beneficiary.
3: No, oh, I did not know that.
4: Yes. Yeah. So, uh, if if it sounds complicated, well, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, Roth conversion planning is a very, very important part of retirement planning. If you've got dollars that have never, ever been taxed. Mm. And if you've been putting money into the federal thrift savings plan, a 401k plan, a 457 plan, a 403b, any of these pre-tax retirement plans, you're a candidate for Roth conversion. Wow. Now... Taxation of the conversion, let's talk about that for a moment because even without all the moving parts, you need to at least estimate what you would owe on the tax. So if you look at your federal income tax return, uh, use the most recent one, 2020 is what we're working off of right now. Line 15 will tell you your taxable income. It is taxable income that matters, not gross income. So I look at the number on that line 15 of the tax return, and then I pull up my federal tax brackets. And if I'm married filing jointly, I look at the column that says married filing jointly, and I see where my taxable income falls. If I fall in the 22% federal income tax bracket, I can see right there on the chart how much room I've got to convert, how many dollars I could potentially convert and not change my tax bracket.
0: Mm -hmm. If
4: you if you live in a state that charges a state income tax, you've got to put the state income tax on top of that. So using the same 22 percent example, if you live in Virginia, you'd pay 22 percent federal tax and then up to five point seven five percent for the state of Virginia. So you need to need to be aware of both parts.
3: Moving parts. There's a lot of them. If you're thinking about getting a financial planner, maybe now is the time when you hear a lot of these different tax situations that you have to deal with. I mean, I I think that it's important that you think about getting a professional involved and the folks at uh, Rosenthal Wealth Management, DNA in particular, you guys really know what you're doing. So it's part of a pretty cool thing. It's great to have you here.
4: It again. is so great. And we will great to see you always. Don't forget about that September 15th Estate Planning
3: Seminar. Yep, and you can uh, register online at Rosenthal.com or RosenthalWealthManagement.com. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you being here. We'll catch you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. See you later. Bye. Bye.